Hello and welcome to the second news cloud. Today is Friday the 13th of... Wait, Friday the 13th? Ha! You can't get me fate. I'm staying inside. Oh! No! My PC! Oh, quick. Hang on. I'll just get it. Okay, fate. You got me. Somebody call me an ambulance. And cut. Sorry about that. Couldn't resist the ham. Welcome to the news club for Friday the 13th, 2018. And let's get on with the news. Okay, so if you were hiding under a rock or watching some kind of ball game, maybe you might have missed this on Saturday. The non-footy internet seemed to lose its shit during Tenacon 2018 as Digital Extremes pulled some serious cats out of the bag. For those that don't know, Warframe is a third-person Guns and Swords ninja action free-to-play game that does the free-to-play thing right. It's been going since 2013 on PC, but was also one of the first PS4 free-to-play games when it launched. It's now on PC, PS4 and Xbox, but one of the big cats they pulled out of their claw-proof bag was that this beautiful, fast-paced, super-smooth game is coming to Switch. Yep, the lovely little handheld that could is getting another ambitious shooter that logic says it shouldn't. Panic Button are doing the honours, and given that what they did with Doom, I honestly don't doubt that they can pull it off. For any doubters out there, I'm reliably informed that the last iteration of Warframe got tested on XP machines. Yes, Windows XP. This is a seriously well-optimised game. Arguably, the biggest cat that they pulled out of the bag, though, was the unveiling of two new expansions, which, when brought together, meld an arguably brilliant but disjointed experience and turn it into one glorious game. Fortuna comprises a new hub area on the planet Venus alongside a massive wintry open world. Yes, wintry. This is a far future Venus, after all, on the surface of a currently boiling planet. There was combat, hoverboards, animal conservation with a brilliant nod to Metal Gear Solid, and they alluded to so much more to be discovered. And when the audience thought they'd lost enough of their shit, Digital Extremes gave them some more shit to lose with Railjack. Seamless ground-to-space ship flight in a, in a ship where you can cooperate with your squad mates, ship-to-ship battles, boarding parties on your ship, being a boarder on an enemy ship, while a teammate attacks them from your ship at the same time. I haven't played for years and I nearly lost my shit. If you've been a lapsed Warframe gamer, or maybe even never played it before, I suggest now is the time to get into it. The game is hugely popular. The servers fell down at the weekend during Tenacon because half a million people tried to log on at the same time. Oh, for those numbers. Well, the Sony as pantomime fiend story continues. I don't know what they're playing at just now, but yet another bad news story is taken off that gives the lie to the PlayStation being for the players' idea. Mooha! Mooha! Gamers, it is I, Sony. Come to take your fun away. Sony planned to pull the plug on Gravity Rush 2 servers as of the 18th of July. That's right, next week. Now, they did make the plans known months ago, but in my opinion it didn't get very well reported. Eurogamer certainly didn't report it at all until this week, and I missed it elsewhere, so it's ended up as news to me and I'm sure news to other people. So now a campaign has started to save the servers from an untimely end. You can support it by joining the hashtag Don't Forget Gravity Rush. The big deal here is just how much functionality and delightful ingenious functionality that brings a smile to your face at that is going to be lost. 
GR2 is going to be an empty shell for anyone who has yet to play it, to the point where it's almost mis-selling to keep it in the shop. GravityRushCentral.com has an exhaustive list of all the elements of the game that will either be impossible to use or acquire after the shutdown, or extremely difficult to access as a result. Let me tell you now, it's massive for the game. I'll just quickly bullet point them here, and this is lifted from Gravity Rush Central. Sending and receiving challenges, online ranking, receiving and posting treasure hunts, receiving, posting and reviewing photos, earning dusty tokens and corresponding rewards, treasure chest items. According to Gravity Rush Central, someone tried to find the chest offline without the clues given by other players online, and it took him 50 hours to find four chests. There are 58 to find. This is what GRC have to say about the future outlook of the game. While the single player experience will be mostly intact, it's easy to see that losing the online services still hurts the experience for new players. It can't have been an easy task for the developers to implement these asynchronous services, and to see everything taken down soon is certainly disappointing. Judging from the daily increase of users in the Dusty Tokens charts and the number of entries in the daily challenge rankings, the number of users connecting to the online service each day is still in the thousands. It's a great post and worth a read, so you understand the magnitude of what Sony are doing to Gravity Rush 2. This is a game where the fun, despite not being traditionally online, was designed around a con- being connected to people. To sharing the experience with others, it was a joyous, friendly, colourful game, and this will rip out its heart in a way that I, I didn't think Sony would ever do. I thought they understood games better than this. It breaks a bond of trust, in my opinion, with the, in quotes, PlayStation Nation. With this, the Tomorrow Children and Kill Strain all killed off without any real effort on Sony's part to revive them or preserve them, it has to make everyone question the future of digital-only and or online-only games. It's not a good look, Sony, and not very long ago I might have thought it beneath you. Evidently, not all has been revealed about the new Ninty Online service, which the internet is saying, £20! I shan't pay it! about... Still keeping the Nintendo CEO seat warm, Tatsumi Kimishima said, We should be able to give you a little more information as we get closer to the official launch in September. Our aim is to provide consumers with a variety of ways to play and the ability to use the system in a more convenient way. I will have to ask for your patience until we are ready to discuss any further details. Personally, I think this might point towards a cloud service. The use of the phrase, use the system in a more convenient way, seems at once vague and also very specific. I mean, what I really want is the return of the Miiverse. I miss you, Miiverse. Although it must have been a nightmare to moderate because the reason we can't have nice things is other people. Bandai Namco's exciting new Souls-like Code Vein has been delayed. If you don't know what a Souls-like is, well, basically is like the Dark Souls games symbols, except there's more to it as well, and I might do a side cast on this if I can get over my crippling laziness. It started to create a buzz last year, scheduled for release in September. Now, sadly, and frustratingly for fans of the genre like me, it's been delayed into a vague 2019 launch period. Come on, Bandai Namco, I'm getting old. One of these days that's going to be a delay too many. Before I get too morbid, let's get on with the corporate bullshit. Codevein has received an enormous amount of positive feedback from eager fans who have received hands-on time with the in-development versions of the game over the past nine months, said Helve Hurt, Vice President Marketing and Digital at Bandai Namco Entertainment Europe. 
armed with knowledge of how well the game has already been received, we made the decision to postpone the release of Code Vein to further refine its gameplay in an effort to exceed the expectations fans already have of the title. It was a difficult decision to make, but we feel it is the correct one. Apologies to Herbie if I have pronounced his name wrongly. As the great Miyamoto-san is endlessly quoted as saying, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. A sentiment that applies well beyond the world of gaming, by the way. A wise decision, in my opinion. Anything that alludes to being like Dark Souls already has very high expectations to exceed. Darksiders fans rejoice! Darksiders 3 has a release date finally, November the 27th on PC, X1 and PS4. And if Panic Button aren't doing a Switch version, I'll be very surprised indeed. The series had been thought lost to the mists of the apocalypse when THQ folded but arose again in the form of THQ Nordic and Darksiders 3 is looking really good, if a little traditional. Nothing wrong with that though. This time you play as Fury, apparently the third horse person of the apocalypse, sister of war and death, which leaves strife for a fourth outing if they deign it worthwhile. Sadly, talented comic book creator and game creator Joe Madureira, who was responsible for the distinctive Darksiders style, isn't directly involved in the third game, although he did work on the concept of Fury herself, so his mark is there. To be fair, it seems like they've kept that style and spirit going without him anyway. French developer Motion Twin have finally announced that Dead Cells is launching on almost everything on August the 7th. It's on X1, PS4, PC. You can get it now on Early Access via Steam and GOG, I think. Hey, Ian, it's coming out on Linux, man. That's your jam. Mac OS even, but best of all, it's coming out on Switch on the same day. Hear that, devs? Same day. It can be done, people. If you've been hiding under that rock the Warframe deniers were under, then you need to know that Dead Cells is... Q crazy genre-bending pigeonhole, a Metroidvania rogue light Souls-like 2D action platformer, sometimes ridiculously shortened to Roguevania. Genre munge at its finest. It's slick, smooth, fast and full of surprises. It's also got the best pixel art in the industry. I'm very much not a fan of pixel art in general these days, but sometimes it's just so good it seems well justified to me. This is the case with Dead Cells. In addition, they announced a super limited edition as well. The signature edition is limited to 2,000 copies per platform. Instantly, I can hear the scummy eBay scalpers creaking open their filthy wallets. And it includes, according to SignatureEditionGames.com, this, by the way, is for the Switch version, but similar uh, features are available for all the limited editions across all the platforms. A region-free Dead Cells game on Switch, including mini art book, a double CD digipack soundtrack, an exclusive enamel character pin, a 56-page hardback art book, a numbered certificate of authenticity featuring motion twin autographs, an outer box featuring exclusive artwork with a spot gloss finish. I got it early access on PC ages ago and was blown away by it. Since then it's improved exponentially and there's a ton of new content and features. This is one 2D action platformer everybody should try. On Switch. Switch! And that's it for the news. Let's finish off with my picks for gaming this weekend. After all, I suspect that some of you won't be as glued to the telly as you have been recently. England. I'm from Scotland. I'm allowed one dig. Anyway, it was that Volkswagen tweet that did for you. Ah, Croatia, you've had a good run. We'll be taking it from here. They should call their next car the VW Jinx. There, I'm done. It's over, lovely English friends. The nasty Scotsman won't make fun of you again. Not for a while, anyway. Wink. See, I'm winking. 
Anyway, after all that excitement about Warframe, I highly recommend giving it a try. It's free to play, so there's no risk, and it's free to play done right. You can get a lot of bang for no buck at all. I fired it up for the first time in years over the last couple of days and it's come a really long way indeed. Playable solo and in co-op with mates, where I suspect it will excel. I'll be diving in more before the new stuff hits, that's for sure. The big paid release this weekend is, of course, Octopath Traveler. It's a beautiful 3D but 2D pixel art JRPG. It's evocative of the brilliant old school Final Fantasy games, but remains its own creature with some very modern twists in there too. There's a lot of game there. There's also a huge demo available on the eShop. Go get it, give it a try, fall in love with it. I suspect it has Game of the Year written all over it. Xbox Game Pass? Seriously, just get it. It's ridiculous value now. Has some amazing new additions. Vermintide 2 is a brilliant co-op four-player shooter. It's had critical acclaim already in early access and it looks set to improve on the first game in nearly every way. Also just added there is Zombie Army Trilogy. This is by the Sniper Elite crew and it's another four-player co-op shooter in the Left 4 Dead vein. The gameplay is brilliant, hugely atmospheric and there's lots to get through. If you've got mates, this is a no-brainer. Get it? Because zombies... No brainer, no? No sense of humour. Aside from that, the double discount PSN sale is still on and I still stand by my suggestions from last week. Have a good rummage around there. There's plenty in there. I do realise I'm not suggesting much PC stuff. I'll try and keep my ear to the ground there from uh, more from now on. And that's it. News Claude 2 ends. You can get us on at Claude of War on the Twitter. And all of the crazy ways to listen to us can be found at anchor.fm Clodevoir. Send us messages, like us, subscribe. You know, all that jazz. Have a brilliant weekend. We're going to record the next main episode of the podcast this weekend, hopefully, which should be out early next week. Until then, goodbye. brilliant news club theme tune is courtesy of eric matthias at soundimage.org bleeps courtesy of audiosendclips.com fire effect courtesy of jovanovich at freesound.org and fire extinguisher effect courtesy of i am giorgio at freesound.org thank you all for making your work available on creative commons podcasts like this wouldn't exist without you whether that's a good thing i'll leave to others to decide